Welcome once again to Windows 8 for IT Managers. My name is Kevin Remdy. I'm a senior IT pro evangelist on the U.S. Developer and Platform Evangelism team, and I'm your, your uh, host for today. Today's topic is Hyper-V. Uh, as I'm sure many of you know, Hyper-V is Microsoft's virtualization solution for the data center, and it's been included in Windows Server since Windows Server 2008, the latest version being version 3, which is in Windows Server 2012. Now, what you may or may not be aware of is the fact that Hyper-V is also available as part of the desktop operating system. It's actually an option that you can install in Windows 8. So today we're going to discuss why you might want to use the power of Hyper-V virtualization while you're on a desktop, a laptop, or even a tablet running Windows 8 Enterprise. Uh, now, with us today, we're very fortunate to have Mitch Garvis. Mitch, uh, welcome. Thanks very much, Kevin. Good to be here. So let me uh, read a little more about Mitch here as a, as a quick introduction. Uh, Mitch is a renaissance man of the IT world. I uh, love meeting people like this. Uh, in addition to being a virtual techno technical evangelist on Windows infrastructure for Microsoft Canada, he's also a partner with SWMI Consulting Group. Is that pronounced swimmy by any chance? Uh, well, why not? Swimming, okay. SWMI Consulting Group. Among his numerous certifications are several MCITPs, as well as the new MCSE, congratulations, MCSE on Private Cloud. Uh, he lectures and trains on a variety of topics, including system center, server virtualization, desktop deployment, and security. And you can read his blog at www.garvis.ca, or follow him on Twitter uh, as at mgarvis, M-G-A-R-V-I-S. In his spare time, he likes to break things. <laughs> He's recently uh, earned his second-degree black belt in Taekwondo. Uh, he makes his home outside of Toronto, Canada, where he, he has one wife, well, good, one wife, two kids, two dogs, and two minutes to himself per day. Uh, I know the feeling. Mitch, welcome again. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. It's a pleasure to be here, Kevin. Thanks for having me. All right. So, Mitch, you heard my very brief introduction on what Hyper-V is and why we're discussing it in the context of Windows 8, the client operating system today. So give us your take on Hyper-V in general, first of all. What do you, what's it used for? Well, Hyper-V in general is used for all sorts of purposes. If you want to talk about it in the data center, we have gone so far beyond the needs of our hardware capabilities today that we're able to use virtualization to increase our return on investment, our, our, uh, our ROI, while reducing our total cost of ownership, or TCO. It allows us to do a lot more with less. That's mm -hmm. in the data center. On the desktop, that's going to be a different story. There are several different desktop uses for virtualization, one of which, of course, is the virtual desktop infrastructure, which is still desktop on the data center side. But for those people who are developers, who are testing, who need to work with different virtual, uh, virtual environments, whether they're server or desktop, Hyper-V in Windows 8 is going to make their lives a whole lot easier. Okay, so that really was kind of my next question then. What, why would anyone need the power of Hyper-V on their desktop? And I, I think you've answered that by, by the fact that we have, there are some people that, that do have that, that real power computing need of doing development against multiple environments, multiple operating systems, and and having that kind of connectivity between them as well, right? You know, Kevin, I, I know a lot of people, as an MCT, I do courseware development and I run test environments for my classes, and the ability to do that without traveling with three or four or five laptops, as I used to have to do, makes my life so much easier. I, right now, am working on courses for both Hyper-V and uh, Windows 8, and I'm traveling with one laptop. Oh, my God. My 
first of all, the conversations with airport security are a lot less uh, strange than they used to be. <laughs> Second of all, my back and my shoulder and my neck feel much better because I have all of this power in one laptop. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah I've had that conversation with, with uh, airport security as well. It's always an interesting conversation. Um, so, that yeah, that's definitely great. And, and certainly um, that, that flexibility and being able to build and rebuild and reprovision and restore to snapshot and all the benefits of virtualization, now having that on a desktop for the kind of flexibility that Again, depending on the kind of job, whether you're a trainer, whether you're a developer, um, whether you're a presenter, like like both of us uh, doing um, presentations and using the, the platform for demonstrations, it's, it's just very, very uh, capable platform. Um, so let's talk about some of the capabilities specifically in Hyper-V running on Windows 8. I mean, what can we do there um, to make our lives better if, if we need that kind of power? So Windows 8... Hyper-V is the full Hyper-V environment. It is a layer one hypervisor, which allows for 32-bit or 64-bit get up, 32 or 64-bit guest operating systems. And while we are only going to say Microsoft supports this list of operating systems on Hyper-V, the reality is if you can install an operating system on x86 hardware, on Intel or AMD hardware, you can install it in Hyper-V. That doesn't mean we're going to support it. We don't support uh, Windows NT4 anymore, but that doesn't prevent you from installing it in Hyper-V. Now, everything that you can do in the data center is available in Hyper-V on the desktop within one box. Now, that one box is very important because some of the great new features in Server 2012 and even in Hyper-V 2008 R2 Service Pack 1, the live migration and the cluster shared volumes and the ability to do uh, shared nothing migration, that's not going to be a capability of Windows 8. Windows 8 is not a server, and it's not meant to interact with other Hyper-V servers. This isn't going to replace your Server 2012 licenses. It is, however, going to allow you to do all of the networking, all of the VLANing, all of the live storage migration that you would need within a single box. Live migration, that would go to a separate, bo a separate box. But live storage migration may have the need to move from your C drive to your D drive to your F drive, and that's still a capability. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, and that kind of makes sense when you think about it. If, you know, Windows 8 is a desktop environment, and as, as you said, it's not a server platform. It's not meant for the data center, but and, and so certainly some of those data center capabilities um, going to, are, are definitely supported as part of Windows Server 2012, but not necessarily important in a desktop. So, uh, but that was really interesting about the live storage move. Uh, that uh, I think um, is going to blow some people away, really, because storage migration, even uh, of itself. Um, and for those of you that are more familiar with the VMware world, that's that's a storage vMotion. Um, moving storage around while a virtual machine is running is is new even to Hyper-V in our server products in, in Server 2012. But even having that power on a, a test stop, um, again, just for the sake of that desktop working with the virtual machines that it has, is still pretty impressive. It is. Now, I do want to be clear. I mean, I, I'm VMware certified, as you know, and I have always told people that storage vMotion or live storage migration is not something that you're going to do on a whim. This is something that if you can avoid doing it, avoid doing it. This is mm -hmm. a, oh my God, I'm running into a situation, I'm running out of space, I have to reprovision my storage. This is going to save me. But don't just say, hey, it's Tuesday, let's have some fun and juggle our VHDX files. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I, and that's, I mean, I think also, too, the nature of our business on a desktop is not going to be one where uh, that machine is typically going to be one that really needs to be online at all times. And, and But even even so, uh, simply having a, uh, even simply having a wizard that allows us to say, okay, I want to move the storage for this particular machine, whether it's online or offline. The fact is you have that capability that's not a matter of, oh, I have to export the machine, I have to re-import it from another location, or have to change the configuration, or even just delete the virtual machine and reconnect it with the storage, or recreate it with the storage in some other location. We don't have to worry about that anymore. It's just simply more flexible for us. That's right. That's absolutely right. So when I'm talking about a virtual machine running on my Windows 8 desktop, of course I'm going to want to use it. I'm going to want to interact with it. How do I need? How do I do that? Is there a way to just simply connect to that machine as a as a window? And and what form does that take? Well, there are a couple of ways to do that. The first is the Hyper-V connection. The Hyper-V connection is literally okay. This is a virtual machine. I know that it's local. I'm going to double click on my virtual machine within the Hyper-V manager, and poof, it's there. But don't forget, this is a virtual machine running Windows. So as long as you configure the networking properly, you can still use your remote desktop uh, connection, your RDP connections to connect to it. And again, you're still licensed within the one machine. If you're going to go from without the machine, A, you have to configure the networking properly, and B, you have to take care that the licensing is going to be appropriate. Okay, so if something else was going to be using that machine across the network, then that becomes a, a networked resource. Um, you're not covered for the corning licensing, you'd have to purchase additional licensing. That's, that's actually a very important point. Um, so, uh, and, and, and getting back to the connectivity with, with remote desktop, I mean, if I'm using remote desktop, I think one of the benefits of that is going to be um, some of the flexibility that the RDP pro, uh, uh, protocol, the remote desktop protocol, gives us for device access, right? Absolutely. So you're still going to have all of the connectivity for your USB ports and your high-end monitors and your local printers and all of that good stuff that you would want within Windows 8, you're going to still have that. And by the way, a lot of people are going to use this to run Windows 7 because they say, hey, I want to run Windows 8, I want to have all of that capabilities, but I'm still comfortable with Windows 7 and maybe... You know, I've only found one thing that doesn't run on Windows 8. We have a 99.999% compatibility story. Desktop gadgets don't run on Windows 8. So mm -hmm. as many people know, I tweet most days how many days are left until end of days XP. The reason I do that isn't because I'm sitting there crossing off lines. I actually have a desktop gadget that does that, and it's from the Windows Springboard series. And you can visit Microsoft.com slash Springboard to download that yourself. And, of course, then you don't have to follow me on Twitter, so don't rush to do that. And <laughs> and that only runs on Windows 7. So I have Windows 7 running on Windows 8. You may have other applications that only run on Windows 7. You may have other needs for Windows 7 if you're a support engineer, if you are a desktop help desk support, and somebody says, hey, I need to know how to access my control panel. Well, you know what? I don't remember how to do that. And seeing as I run Windows 8, I don't have access to it. So having, imagine a desktop support personnel or an IT professional consultant being able to walk around with Windows 8, running Windows 7, Windows Vista, Windows XP, and every version of server as long as they're properly licensed, and being able to support every environment, and they're going to look like heroes to their customers. Wow, yeah, that's a, that actually another great scenario that you bring up that, uh, for the support organization. That's great. Absolutely. So... If I want to run Hyper-V on my Windows 8 machine, I do know that it probably is going to take some, some hardware to support it because I've heard of things such as 
virtualization support and processing and things like that. What are the specific requirements if I want to put Hyper-V on a Windows 8 machine? The requirements for Windows 8 Hyper-V are exactly the same as they are for Hyper-V on the server. You have to have a 64-bit server, 64-bit uh, CPUs that supports CPU virtualization. Now, if you bought your CPUs in the last five, six years, of course they do it out of the box, but if you have much older hardware, you're going to have to check in on that. I think Intel made one 64-bit CPU that does not support it. You have I to have, have that one at home, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple of my friends were crying when they bought that and said, what do you mean I can't run Hyper-V? Yeah. Uh, you have to be able to support um, DEP and your second layer address translation on the memory. Uh, you do have to have uh, uh, the enterprise SKU of Windows 8, and... Aside from that, that's it. You want to have high-end graphics, buy a high-end graphics card. If you don't need high-end graphics, the graphics card in your laptop is going to do just fine. You don't need anything more. How much RAM do you need? Hey, I want to run all of the virtual machines that I said. I want to run Windows 7 and Windows 8 and Windows XP. Well, then you've got to do the math and say, okay, I need X amount of RAM in my, C in my computer. But the requirements aren't... It's not rocket science. It's actually pretty simple when you get down to it. If you were to go to Best Buy or Future Shop or Costco today and buy a laptop, if it wasn't a tablet, it will almost guarantee, if it doesn't have an Atom processor, it will almost certainly run Hyper-V, mm -hmm, let mm -hmm. alone your servers. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so to kind of recap there, we need to have uh, virtualization support in the CPU, which, as you said, it's been around for, for a while now. Uh, it has to be a 64-bit capable operating uh, environment, so you have to have the 64-bit version of Windows 8 installed. Uh, it has to have data execution protection, DEP, enabled uh, for the in the BIOS. Um, and I've actually seen some issues where uh, some of these capabilities, the virtualization support and DEP, are not enabled by default in the BIOS. So if you're finding you're having issues getting the, the hypervisor running, that simply going into the BIOS and uh, making sure that those those check marks are checked, making sure that the latest version of the BIOS as well, because sometimes there's updates that will enable some things that weren't previously available when you when you purchased the machine. These are things that you need to enable, as well as the second-level address translation, uh, SLAT is what we pronounce it as, um, also has to be on the, on the desktop in order to run Hyper-V. That's right. And we should mention, we've mentioned Intel CPU several times. This will run on every AMD 64-bit CPU as well. This is yes. not limited. This this is not a Intel specific feature. So x86 uh, quote unquote 64 bit. That's right. Got it. Okay. Very good. So um, where uh, so tell me a little bit about um, the virtualization rights. You mentioned briefly that um, that we have the ability to run an operating system as a, a desktop or as a virtual machine on top of our desktop. Um, <coughs> do, are we granted any rights to do that? Do we have that license uh, if I buy Windows 8? to be able to run the Windows 8 as a virtual machine or any other down-level uh, desktop operating system? So, as you know, within Microsoft, we are prohibited from discussing licensing unless we actually have that specific licensing course, which I don't, I don't have and I don't think you have it either. I have not, yeah. So, I'm, I'm only going to discuss this in very general terms. If you buy Windows 8 today, you are allowed to use Windows 8 in a virtual machine. Remember, this is sticking within your environment. You can't say, hey, I bought a Windows 8 machine with 32 gigabytes of RAM. Let's host my VDI for my company. I can't do that. Mm -hmm. 
However, if I want to run Windows 8 within, the, within a virtual machine, absolutely. Beyond that, the technological limitations are a lot less stringent than the licensing limitations. And all you have to do is make sure that you have a license for the individual operating system that you're looking to run, and you're going to be fine. So if you have a, an older version of Windows 7, or I still have licenses for Windows XP sitting on my shelf, I'll be licensed to run my Windows XP. Uh, if you the best thing to do for support personnel honestly, is to make sure that you have a TechNet Plus subscription, which gives you the rights. You can't use it in production, but if you're just supporting people on it, that's going to be fine. Yeah, very good, very good uh, uh, option there, for sure. Um, now, before I uh, before we close here and I, I get some more information from you about where they can, people can go for more information, um, just to kind of give us a, a, a kind of how to get started. Uh, you know, give people an idea, okay, I've got Windows 8, what do I do next? How do I install an operating system? Just just a really quick summary of the steps they'd go through in order to get a, at least one machine booted in, into Hyper-V. You know, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to go to your start menu, and all you have to do is type features. And if you go into the, the start and type features, you're going to have an option to bring up programs and features, and you've got to turn Windows features on or off. And unlike in the server where it's a role, you have to turn the Hyper-V feature on in the BIOS, and you'll just click on that. Within Hyper-V, you're going to have a couple of options. The Hyper-V management tools, make sure you install that. And the Hyper-V platform, absolutely make sure you install that. And if you're going to be want to have a little bit more fun, you should make sure that the Hyper-V module for Windows PowerShell is enabled as well. because. I always say that if you want to do anything going forward, learn PowerShell before you learn anything else. Once you do that, you press OK, and it's going to install for you, and it's going to reboot your computer twice, just like it does on the server. And when you do that, when you're finished, you can bring up your Start menu again, and the Hyper-V Manager will be there. You open the Hyper-V Manager, it's exactly the same as it is on the server. You bring it up, you say New Virtual Machine, and make sure you have the ISO files for the operating system you want to install. It can still install from a DVD, but really, do you want to do that? Uh, I think it's a lot easier to install from the ISO file. And much quicker, too. Absolutely. Now, don't forget, dynamic memory is enabled in the Windows 8 on the Windows 8 hypervisor. Um, bandwidth optimization is enabled as well. All of these great features that we have in the server are here in the guest as well. So if you say, hey, I want to make sure that my line of business application that needed Windows XP is going to run and it's going to have the highest bandwidth. Make sure you set the bandwidth throttling to, make, to enable, let's say, a minimum 512 megabits per second, and it's going to work fine. Make sure that you set your minimum memory requirements high enough that it's always going to have the requirements that it needs. And don't forget, that will affect what you have on the desktop. But thankfully, Windows 8 does memory management so much better than its, than its predecessors that you're not going to need the 8 or 16 gigabytes of RAM or even 4 that you would have had on a previous system to, to maximize your benefits. So you can assign 2 gigabytes to a virtual machine. In fact, on my laptop, which has this is a HP EliteBook 2740p, I still don't have my Windows 8 branded hardware yet, but that's coming. Mm -hmm. I have... Uh, four virtual machines running. I have a Windows 8, I have a Windows 7, I have a Server 2012, and I have a Server 2008 R2, and the four of those each have minimum 
512 megabytes of RAM, except for the Windows. No, that's right. Minimum 512, maximum two gigabytes. And I'm still never hitting more than 50% memory usage on the on the host. Hmm. So the memory well, management in Windows 8 really makes a difference with dynamic memory. And, you know, I guess the good news, too, although they were run slowly, um, you can, uh, even without dynamic memory enabled, run these machines with less memory defined. Um, it will do some swapping, and uh, things will go a little bit slow, but it's something that you can actually do. So uh, The most important thing to note on that, though, is not the behavior within the virtual machine. It's when I'm running in my host, in my Windows 8, I don't right. notice, I completely forget for days on end that I have all of these virtual machines running because it just behaves so seamlessly. Yeah, it's a real testament to how they've, uh, as you said, improved memory management in Windows 8. Just amazing. So, Mitch, thank you so much. Where, where can we find some more information about this? Well, the best places to go are the two places where I blog, of course, uh, garbage.ca, and the Canadian DPE team has the Canadian IT Pro Connection, which is blogs.technet.com slash b slash canitpro. But really, the, if you want to get training, if you want to learn, microsoftvirtualacademy.com, long name, wonderful results. I can't say amazing results, apparently. So long name, wonderful results on MicrosoftVirtualAcademy.com. Take the training, learn how to do it, and look, this is the greatest place to start work, working towards your certifications because, hey, a lot of us don't have data centers in our basement that we can play with. No problem. Install Server 2012 in a virtual machine on your one laptop, and you're good to go. That's right. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I agree. Microsoft Virtual Academy is a, a really great first, first stop for, for some training. And that training is not very expensive, is it? Uh, that training is between free and costless. There you go. And, uh, right in that you, ballpark, right there. If you're asked to put in your credit card number, you're at the wrong site. <laughs> so type your URL carefully. I will make yeah, sure that with that, 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 with that being said, there's some certifications that you should look at. There's the new uh, MCSA, Microsoft Certified Solutions Advisor for Windows 8. And if you have the old MCITPs on Windows 7, it's just a simple upgrade exam. And once you've done that, hey, you should start working towards that MCSE private cloud. There aren't a whole lot of us out there, and it's really the next, the next big senior cert. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, my goal is to get that by the end of this year as well, so you've beat me to it. And, again, congratulations on that. Well, Mitch, thank you so much. This has been a, a thrill to talk to you about Hyper-V and the exciting things that it's going to give people, the options it's going to be able to give people on their desktop, right at their desk, being able to work uh, in very powerful ways. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. Kevin, it's always a pleasure. I look forward to coming back soon.